Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not. Whoa, let there be light. Stand with me if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up high. Cup your hand. Fake the devil out or something. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, today, we're starting a new series in talking about the levels of our walk with God. Um, it, it, our commitment to God is, is often seen in our walk with God. In other words, people who say church is a priority, uh, and, and they get up and they, they come to church and welcome all of you watching online who are at home. Um, this is going to be one of those days, you're going to love me, you're going to hate me, you're going to be mad at me, you're going to be a lot of things, but at the end of the day, you're going to be challenged. I believe one of the reasons our world is where it is today is because there are no standards and that there are no challenges in life. Uh, you can identify as a TV camera if you want to, and uh, you can do whatever. There are no standards. And so the challenge we have is, is creating standards that don't violate other people, but that that do connect us to a faith that is immovable. And uh, it's very, very important that we get this. And so this will be the beginning of about three to four week series that, that you're not going to want to miss or you're going to want to miss. But it won't be like, are we going to church? <laughs> It'll be absolutely we're not. Oh, we really are. It's going to be one of those. So in the book of Ezekiel, one of my favorite passages of many because it takes us through different levels, if you will, of, of uh, our walk with God or how God moves and works. And it says, now he brought me back to the entrance to the temple. I saw water pouring out from under the temple porch to the east. The temple faced east. The water, the water poured from the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then took me out through the north gate, led me around the outside to the gate complex on the east, the water was gushing from under the south front of the temple. Now, this is the outpouring of God, if you see this metaphorically. And it says, he walked to the east with a measuring tape and measured off 1,500 feet, leading me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another 1,500 feet, leading me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another 1,500 feet, leading me through water waist deep. He measured off another 1,500 feet. By now, it was a river over my head, water to swim in, in water no one could possibly walk through. He said, son of man, have you, uh, you have, ha have had a good look? Then he took me back to the river bank. While sitting on the bank, I noticed a lot of trees on both sides of the river. This is indicating an outpouring of God from the temple of God. Now, we're living in a day where we've learned some really great biblical truths of I don't get to go to heaven simply because I go to church. In fact, let me step out on a limb and say there will probably be people who've gone to church that don't go to heaven. Because church does not get you into heaven and, and only faith in God does. And, and so I want us to understand that, that, that we are learning great things. The challenge is that church is a place that builds our relationship with God. 
It's a place of growth. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You say, well, I can hear it from home. Yeah, you can hear it from home, but there are some things you can't do at home that you can do in church. You can worship from home, but you cannot serve from the sofa. And, and you can't fellowship if you're sitting there alone. All of these things are very, very important for us. Iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Those things happen in church. The devil would love for us to believe that the church is outdated, antiquated, and no longer necessary. And yet in the Bible, it says for us to not forsake coming together, assembling together as we see the day drawing near. That day has been drawing near our whole lives and nearer every day. And so we are called to come together and together. Now, it, it's, it's about as dumb as saying, well, I'm married, but I don't need to go home. You might want to ask your spouse about that. You know, well, I love God. I don't need to go to his house. Yeah, you probably do. Okay, so we can excuse ourselves for numerous reasons, but it's always interesting to me that this is when I'm going through these levels, and I'll get right to it real quickly. The first level I'm going to talk about is the, what I call the pleasure level. It's, it's that, that level in our lives where everybody wants to experience pleasure. And that includes I want to experience pleasure in church. This is what I call ankle-deep living. That I just want to get in the water or I want to get the water on me, but I don't want to get into the water. I just want to feel the water. I just want to feel a little bit of God. I just want to feel a little bit of his presence. And, 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 and that's where a lot of people want to live. Is just, I just I just want to I just want to be close enough to God to where I c I can feel good about thinking that when I end my life on this earth that I'm going to heaven. Ankle deep living will never bring satisfaction that going deep with God will bring you. Allowing God to be God in your life, not just acknowledging that He is God, but allowing Him to be God. And uh, when I was a youth pastor. Um, I had a large youth group. We had approximately a thousand young people, junior high and high school, and and uh, there was a big, big push back in the <clears throat> the '80s to eliminate. They'd already eliminated pretty much the Bible from being in schools and and anything that was Christian crosses or anything about God being in the schools. But what was happening was schools were allowing chess clubs and all kinds of clubs to be in their school. Well one of the Christian kids went and asked if he could have a Christian club. And they said, you cannot have a Christian club in school. We don't allow that kind of thing to happen. Well, I found out, and Jay Sekulow called me, who was, became the counsel, one of the counsel for President Trump. I knew him before he was ever known, ACLJ and all of the law stuff. So he calls me, had a TV in, uh, station in Alabama, and he says, I want to change the laws of our land that allow kids that have faith in Jesus to express that faith in a club, not making anyone else come to that club meeting. It would be in a private classroom, and these kids could come, and they could share their faith before school, just like all the kids that had all the other clubs. Well, the Tulsa Public School System said that cannot happen. So Jay said, would you do me a favor? He said, would you mobilize your teenagers to take Christian literature to every high school campus in Tulsa? I said, Absolutely. And so I stood up on a Sunday night in my youth meeting, and I told the kids what we wanted and what was about to happen. They got real excited. How many of you know that all you have to do is give teenagers a reason to break the law, and they're with you? I mean, they got rebel all up in them anyway, and they're like, just give me a reason. 
And I thought, this is a great Christian spiritual reason. They got excited. And so, but here was one twist. I needed one kid that was willing to go to jail. (laughs) True story. A young man by the name of David attended Memorial High School. And when I stood up and shared this, he he came and I I said, I need one kid that's willing to, to, to go to jail or to be arrested, whatever. He came and said, Come to find out, he was in a single-parent home. His mother had raised him, and they were good Christian people, and I knew what I had to do. So I said, well, David, can I come to your house and visit with your mother? Strangest request any youth pastor to this day has ever asked a parent. I came in, and I said, ma'am, your son has indicated an interest in being arrested (laughs) for the cause of Christ. And I said, "Uh, I need your permission that if it were to happen, you'd be okay with it. He said, Mom, come on, this is what I've lived for. And this kid was sold out. He was not an ankle-deep believer. He wasn't about just being a Christian. He was about letting the world know he was a Christian. So we, we settled that. Well, then Jay said, I'll pay for all the Christian literature, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to mobilize them on a certain day. That TBN flew in from California. <clears throat> they were filming the whole thing. And on that particular day, Uh, I took them to Memorial High School, which I was able to go stand across the street. I could not get on school property. I had 75 youth leaders. I sent them out to different campuses across the street to make sure the kids, they prayed before the kids went on school campus. They gave them the papers to distribute to their classmates when they were getting off the bus. And so I was at Memorial High School. TBN was at Memorial High School filming this event. And... uh, so sure enough, the buses start pulling up. I'm looking from across the street at, at our youth group, the, the high schoolers starting to pass out Christian literature. And about that time, I watched the principal come out and do exactly what I thought he was going to do and tell him, you have to stop. David runs across the street and says, the principal says, we have to stop. What do I do? I said, what do you want to do? He said, I want to distribute literature. I said, then get back over there and do it. This is, this is great youth pastoring. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is how you get a job. So he goes back over. The principal comes back out and says, you have to stop. He said, I'm not going to stop. The principal goes back in. Long story short, we ended up distributing literature that day. Sure enough, Tulsa Public School Board got involved, and uh, at which time I connected with Jay Seculo and, and the, the legal services. At the next Tulsa Public School meeting, uh, the, the, they, were, they were there representing me and my kids. Uh, and in the long story short, Because these kids decided to be more than just people going to heaven, the Tulsa Public School Board changed their whole policy on distribution of Christian literature that allowed Christians to have clubs and distribute literature just like every other club. Now, we live in a day where Christians aren't supposed to act that way. Well, let me tell you something. Christianity is known that when people stand up in history... They fight for the right reasons and the right purposes. Things are changed. We have, just in our world today, we have an interest in Christianity. We have a passion to go to heaven, but we certainly don't have the passion we need to bring heaven to earth. We are living lives that are acceptable to politicians and political correctness, and we're going to get beat if we don't stand up and become biblically correct and say, I'm willing to go to jail, I'm willing to die, I'm willing to give up my life, I'm no longer going to bow my knee to what you say is acceptable. Listen, it's sick when you've got a world that can identify with a cat which allows you to meow in class. And obviously you haven't been watching the news. 
We are living in a world that is upside down and has to be made right side up, and we know who we are. Folks, there are two genders, male and female. And now I know I'm way out there. But listen to me. We have got to stop fitting in to a place we will never fit. I ain't mad at nobody except the devil. But we've been paddling along, dabbling in the waters of a world that is going south very quickly. Listen to this. This never happens, by the way. 9.30 didn't get this. I was, I, I never look at time. Any of you have time hop? Okay, time hop is something that takes stuff, pictures, or screenshots that you've saved from five years ago, ten years ago, whatever, and it brings them up. I didn't look at it this morning. Between 9.30 and 11, for some reason, I chose to look at it. Listen to what comes up here. And I want you to listen carefully. Because every day on Fox, CNN, CSNBC, you're hearing their side. Listen to this. Once a government provides you with basic utilities, the government can then decide when to turn them on and when to turn them off. Once the government pays for all your education, the government can then control the education and career you get to have. Once government provides you with food, the government can then decide how much you get or if you get any at all. Once a government for, uh, pays for your housing, the government can then control where you can live. Once a government pays for your health care and medicine, the government can control whether or not you are valuable enough to get that medicine. Listen to me. All of the handouts over the last three years, that's what this is all about. It's trying to take the freedoms that have been given to us and that we have squandered by believing they have our best interest in mind. Don't get too excited. Listen, I cannot stand up and preach pablum sermons. We are in a fight for our Christian life. Online church is a great supplement but should not become a substitute for flesh and bones, personal eye and heart connection. You didn't become a growing Christian on your own or through some online discipleship community. The church was there growing you week after week, building a safe community of faith and fellowship for you. You and I didn't get where we are today by ourselves. The shoulders you stood on needs us to back in the pew, needs us back in the pew. Church, where you count and are counted on. Listen, it is time to make this an absolute part of our life. I have been as calm as Mark Crow can possibly be, and we all know that's a challenge. But the reality is, some of you online people, and I love you, and I'm thankful for online, but it is a supplement. It is not a meal. It is just supplemental. We've got to understand. People say, why is my life so messed up? I can trace it back. My mother, I, she had three boys to raise. My dad worked 16 hours a day. I never hardly saw him for the first 14 years of my life. And my mother never once came into our bedroom and said, hey, do you want to go to church? Oh, no, no. Get up. We're going to church. It was never an option. 
And I, yeah, there was a season where I wandered away, but I never forgot my mom's commitment to the house of worship. And that's why I am where I am today because I saw it as a priority and she lived her life that way. Listen, this is not an option. A lot of people just want to stand ankle deep. If you're ankle deep, you don't even need a beach towel. You don't even have to dry off because you're only up to your ankles and all you're going to get is a little dirt, rock, or sand on your feet. You can dust those off. We got so many people ankle deep that were in the deep. They were in love with Jesus, and all of a sudden, for months, we're told you can't worship. You got to keep your distance. You got six feet apart. You got to wrap up in cellophane. And let me tell you if you look at the Bible, first off, fellowship is a critical part of our faith. Well, when you can't get together, guess what? A critical part of our faith is missing. When you can't come to a house of worship and stand elbow to elbow with brothers and sisters in Christ, that is a violation of our faith. And many people have stood and said, this is the way it's going to be. I don't need church anymore. Yes, you do. You need church. I need church. We need church. And for us to stand by and let unbelievers say, well, you know, we don't really need that. You know what? When I was playing ball all the way through school, whether it was football, basketball, baseball, guess what? The coach didn't say, hey, we're having practice Tuesday if you want to come. And Thursday if you want to come. The coach said, you know what? You don't practice, you don't play. Guess what? The church has been sissified. We ought to be saying, look, Sundays we have church. You need to be here. But no, because that's too harsh. Christians are too mean. You know what, what the world says is mean? It's called living standards. We have standards by which we live. Bless those who persecute you. That's a standard. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as you see the day drawing near. That's a standard. We need to be together. We need to, we need to come together. And this vision that Ezekiel's saying is saying, look, some of y'all are ankle deep. And let me tell you, ankle deep, the, the current won't pull you ankle deep. You can just stand there and do whatever you want. Yeah, you're a little wet, but that's it. You, you, you ain't got much going on. Then you go up to knees. And, and when you get up to your knees, you can still feel the current. But once you get up to your waist, it starts pulling you. And we have a lot of people interested. It's called the pleasure level, seeker level, interest level. I want to go to church, but I don't want to do any more than that. You see, some of the most winning football teams and basketball teams and baseball teams, they don't have the best players. But they have a coach that brings out the best in the players, that challenges them, that even makes them mad. He makes them do things they don't want to do so they can be who they want to be. And as a pastor, I can't stand up here and say, oh, it's okay if you don't come to church. No, it's not okay. Not for me, but for you, it's not okay. Yeah, you got to take breaks. Yeah, we have to take breaks. But the reality is the pandemic has created this, this sense of mediocrity that I don't have to do more than I'm doing. You're right. You don't have to. You can go to heaven just like that. I agree. You can go to heaven, but you'll pay hell getting there. Something happens to you and you're not connected to the body. Where do you go? Who do you call? What do you do? There's a reason we gather together. 
And I've sat back and I've watched our government lie. I've watched, I've watched all of this stuff. And I'm going, when are preachers going to step up? And I look in the mirror and go, you better do it. Because you a preacher. Not a player. And I now for two plus years have gone, God, what do we do to convince people what they're missing out on? Well, are we going to church? Why would that ever be a question? And, and unless hell freezes over, we're going to church. And I don't think there are any plans for that to happen. Second level is a pressure level. It's that, this is where the standard is raised. I will not get to this level today. If you want to be here next week, so I'm going to mess things up. There ain't going to be nothing in order when this message is done. Because you know what? We're not just doing this because we don't have anything else to do. I'm asking you for an hour and a half a week, and that's when I preach long. Hour and a half. I don't have time. You always have the time to do the things you really want to do. We have to realize that we are living in a moment where I believe that we're going to see the waters gushing out of houses of God. And people are going to miss it if we don't challenge them and, and put a little squeeze on to become better. See, we've been looking at what people do instead of what people are. I don't care about, it's not about, everybody in here has to search out their own salvation with fear and trembling. That's between you and God. I'm talking about how are we bringing others to an understanding of faith that says you can, you can either rely on government or you can rely on God, but you cannot rely on both. Because one wants to control you, the other wants to liberate you. And God said, whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus wants you to be free. The government does not want you to be free. Jesus wants you to be free. They want to control you. And I'm sorry if this sounds mean to you, and I know there are some good people in government, but overall, this is no different than the gospel when Jesus was on earth. There were sects, and S-E-C-T-S, that wanted to control situations. Roman government wanted to control the people of God. We have to make some difficult choices. Are we going to be the church? Are we going to rise up and be a standard, a voice crying in the wilderness, a people unashamed, willing to help other people? Two years that I wasn't preaching, I would go to churches because I had not done that in many years just to sit and not be known. I wanted to see what it was like to be you, to drive up into the parking lot where people were supposed to be nice, happy to see me. To get out of my car, start walking without anybody saying hi, getting to a front door where nobody's shaking my hand, standing in the lobby like a lost puppy hoping somebody would pet me, going in through the doors to the sanctuary where nobody said hi. And I apologize to you as a pastor if that's if that's what's happening at this church, but that's going to stop right now. Your hand ought to be sore by the time you get to your seat. So many people squeezing your hand, glad to see you, glad you're here. That's what it ought to be. That's church. It ought to have the electricity 
of a Big 12 football game. Anticipation, excitement, people getting their tailgate parties for a football game. A dead pig. And we have a risen Savior. Where's the excitement? Where's the energy? Where's the want to? Well, the church has become ankle-deep church. Well, listen, we're going into the deep. So if you can't swim, you need to go buy some floaties. Because at the end of this month, we're going to make your hands sore. This has got to change. I can't do this. I cannot be a common Christian, an apathetic Christian, a lethargic Christian, an ankle-deep Christian. I cannot do it. I have been as nice as I can be for the last two and a half years. Daddy's home. Why, if you're 20-some years old, why, if you're 20-some year old, doesn't want to come to church? Let me tell you why. We have a generation looking for purpose. We have a generation looking for a challenge. And we have said to our kids, it's okay, do your thing, do what you want to do, do it your way. This is not a burger joint. Have it your way. The Bible tells us to do it his way and then we'll have it our way. We can't have it our way without doing it his way. We've got to stop asking questions and start marching to the beat of the Bible drummer and realizing God's called us to go deeper than ankle deep. You say, well, people look and they say, you know, I've heard this. Well, you know, church is filled with hypocrites. I just always tell them we could use a few more. No, we're not hypocrites. We're just a bunch of people that realize we're broken, fallen sinners that need God. That's not hypocritical. That's wisdom. I can't do without God. I'm no better than you. I just realize I can go to a place that helped me become better than I am. Not better than you, but better than I am. Folks, we are living in one of the potentially one of the greatest moments in history. We have never come to the apex of a battle like we are right now. I am so saddened that people can't even find their own identity. We have an identity crisis, and I'm not making fun of it. You need to study this stuff. It is becoming very, very, very sad. And I love everyone who's fallen into this identity crisis and doesn't know who they are and they can identify with whoever they want to identify with and become whatever they want to become. That is a crisis, folks. They're looking for someone to love them and challenge them and confront the issues that are killing them. And we as a church have fallen prey to saying what we think we ought to say instead of saying what Jesus said to say. He didn't look at the Pharisees and go, oh, it's okay. No, he looked at the Pharisees and said, you whitewashed sepulchers, you brood of vipers, you snakes. I know, I know it sounds weird, but read Matthew 23. And he wasn't saying it punitively. He was saying it redemptively. You need to, you're better than this. You're better than this. Your religion is not going to take you where I can take you. Your faith has to elevate. Ankle deep. 
I don't just want the presence of God. I want the power of God. Said they received power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. They didn't receive his presence. They received his power. We can no longer allow ourselves to blend in, to fit in. I'm not saying be weird, strange. I mean, just, just do people around you know you're a Christian? You ever say anything about Jesus? You ever talk about God? You don't have to be perfect. That was always, that's always the thing the devil's, well, you know, you can't witness because you're like messed up. Let me tell you, messed up people know how to relate to messed up people better than people who aren't messed up. And I got news for you. Everybody in here is a little messed up. And if you don't think you're messed up, you're more messed up than everybody else who is messed up. fact is, folks, listen, we're fighting battles. Mental illness is like nothing ever. But the reality is it's always been there. But now we've just decided to say, okay, we have it. And some of y'all don't think you're mentally ill. What? We all have a touch. Of, why? Because the Bible says, did you not know you have the mind of Christ? Where do you think the devil's going to attack? Your thought life. Come after your thought life. You're not worth anything. You don't mount to anything. It's okay. Just be mediocre. You can never be better than you are. Look at where you come from. I'm not looking at where I came from. I'm looking at who came from where he came from to change where I came from so that I can go where he is. Pleasure level, pressure level, pull level, power level. I'll get to those next week. You don't want to miss it. Ankle deep. You must get involved to have an impact. No one is impressed with the one loss record of a referee. You're not a, you're not a referee. You're, not, you're, you're a participant. You're a player in this thing called life. You count. God is counting on you, and you count. We need everyone to say, what can I do? I pray that at the end of this month, we'll have to look for things for you to do because every position's filled. But how, how would you feel if you went and knocked on somebody's house and invited you to come and said, come in, the door's open. That's Berry Hill. Um, that's where I grew up. No, you go and you greet them. So glad you're here. Here's something for you. Come and sit down. What can I get you? That's how you have people into your house, and that's how we have people into God's house. Come in. We're glad you're here. We have donuts to help your cholesterol. I didn't say get better. To help your cholesterol. We have coffee to wake you up, and we should start selling Red Bull. And then somebody will get mad at me, and they'll throw a Bible at me. pleasure level. Joshua 3, 7 says, and the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, when you reach the edge of Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. 
He didn't say go and camp and wait for the waters to rise. He said, I want you to go stand in the water. I want you to be proactive. I want you to show Israel that if they'll step in, I'll part the waters. I'll make a way. But you've got to get in. You've got to get in. We have people interested in going to heaven, but not interested in what heaven holds for them on earth. So how come Jesus said, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, you need to pray heaven down to earth. If you're not asking God for big things, you're missing it. God wants us to challenge and to be challenged and to raise the bar and the standards in our life to get what he has for us. When I got born again, church was still happening Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I was so lost before I got born again. I was scared of going to hell. I, I, I'd be at the church before the pastor got there or anybody else sitting in the parking lot waiting for him to unlock the doors. You say, well, why would you say that? Because I am sick sometimes at myself. I want to be that person all the time the rest of my life. I don't want to be the guy going, well, I know Jesus, I'm a mature Christian. The worst thing that ever happened to Christianity is mature Christians. Why? Because we ought to be maturing Christians, not mature Christians. If you're a mature Christian, that implies I've arrived. Maturing says I'm a green banana, I'm not yellow yet. And you will not be yellow until he returns. Well, you know, I know the right things to say, the right people to be around, the right places to go. I'm preaching to me as much as you. I, I get this twice. You only get it once unless you're really brave, and then you can get it twice. But the reality is it's not about, I mean, we've looked at all of our the stuff around us and just saying, you know, God, I just love you. I just want to help people. I just want to help people. We're busy looking at what people are doing instead of looking at the God who's trying to help the people and what they're doing. Ankle deep believers, people that have an interest in God, but a greater interest in other things. And again, I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. That's not it at all. Because I know all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But what about the people who aren't saved that don't know him because we're only worried about us? I will fight until I am finished to see God do something at Mosaic Church that would rock the world. <laughs> Taking a fallen pastor, a guy that people say shouldn't preach anymore, I just want God to say, look, let me show you what I can do with an ex-convict, an ex-fallen preacher, whatever. Let me show you what God can do. Yeah, that ought to excite about five of you. At 9.30, we had a lot of people excited about that. I guess that's where all the ex-cons are. Anyway, so y'all are good people. You sleep in for Jesus. Anyway, so I mean, here's the thing. I don't want to just be saved. I want other people to be saved. I want people I know to know God. And I'm challenging myself in preaching this message today to say, you know what? I got to do better. Not, not so I can go to heaven. I'm going to heaven, whether you like it or not. 
And I'm going to be standing there when all of my critics come to the gate. And I'm just outside of the heaven's gates. And I'm going to ask Jesus to let me get by with just a little bit. Like a na 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 na. Told you I'd be here. <laughs> oh, by the way, you got a track shack on the other side, away from my mansion. Anyway, so. <laughs> ankle deep. It goes knee deep, waist deep, in over your head. <sighs> Listen. I'm about to finish. I'm going to find a landing strip here in a minute. Listen to me. At the end of this month, those of you that have been waiting to say, I, I, you know, I don't want to get to church 15 minutes early. I get it. That's just so extreme. I am so sorry that we're asking for 15 minutes early. And for you to actually shake somebody's hand, please forgive me. To love your neighbor, I'm so sorry. I just don't have time. No, but you can get to the golf course an hour before tea time, putt, go to the driving range, God help us, for an hour for you to prepare to still be the same sorry golfer you are at the end of the day. <laughs> you're going to still shoot in the 90s if you're lucky. But you know what? You got there an hour early, and you spent four and a half hours on the course every week. But church, that's just such demand. Hour and a half. Wow. I don't know, Pastor. Here's where it really gets interesting. Let me pray about it. You're a mature Christian. We've learned that language. Well, bless you. Let me pray about it. Hallelujah. Jacob, we're not going to put either one of these online. <laughs> Listen, I'd be a sorry pastor if I didn't send some, out, some of you out here thinking, going, I don't know if I want to go back or not. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do, because you just wonder what I'm going to do next week. <sighs> Listen, this is a very serious hour. It's a very serious moment in history. And the church has got to become the church. Blood covered, water washed, over our heads, out of control. He's in control. Ankle deep means we're still in control. Why? I've never seen anybody swept down a rushing river, river that had water up to their ankles. Just dabble for Jesus. Paddle for the Lord. That means my will is still in charge. I'm still in charge. I don't need you to hold me up, God. I don't need any floaties. I'm just ankle deep. I go to church. I go home. Listen to me. Some of you will get mad at me. I know that. But after 40 years of doing this, I'm used to people being mad at me. I'm even used to people threatening me. Some of y'all have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. It's glorious. You're going to scare me with heaven, threaten me? Okay, yeah. No more bills, mansion, God, face of Jesus. <laughs> okay. Ankle deep, not committed, 
but committed to heaven. Ankle deep is a waiting pool of faith. And then this is ankle deep. Only when it, there's something in it for me. Only when I will be rewarded or recognized. And only when it's convenient. Some of y'all need to get off your couch and get back into a house of worship. You probably may not want to come here, but find a place. Listen, all of us want to experience better and do better than we're doing. And it's not going to happen if we keep doing the same thing we've always done. It's called insanity, doing the same thing, expecting different results. And you know why a lot of people quit church? They blame it on the worship or the pastor or the music, whatever. Well, you know, I'm just bored. You wouldn't be bored if you were serving other people. You wouldn't even notice the other things going on. What if you were the reason you left church? <laughs> I'm leaving because I don't like me. <laughs> I had done nothing for anybody. I'm leaving this church. God bless you. That'd be a good reason to go. <laughs> Never heard anybody blame themselves. I just do nothing for God. I'm just tired of doing nothing for God. <laughs> we're tired of you doing nothing for God. <laughs> do something for God. You're going to be happier. When you see a smile on a kid's face, if you're working with kids, you see a smile on somebody's face who comes in through these doors, depressed, downcast, lost their job. I mean, it sounds like a country song. And you shake their hand and you tell them everything's going to be all right and change somebody else's life. You'll become a soul addict. The minute you see somebody changed because you dared speak change into their life, you will be changed. I used to stand on the streets of, of New York City, of, of New Orleans during the Mardi Gras. I, I was so addicted. I would go downtown Tulsa at 2.30 in the morning and share Jesus with people. And I was so discouraged at 4.30 a.m. one morning. Homeless were out and, and, and nobody was listening to me. And finally I found one person breaking into a parking meter when they had parking meters. And I started talking about Jesus, and I said, I will pay you to accept Christ. <laughs> I just wanted to make a difference in somebody's life, and it just wasn't working. I thought, maybe I can buy their salvation. I know it sounds stupid, but I was just desperate. I'm like, nobody listening to me. That was the passion that burned in me when I got born again, and I want that passion alive in my life. And you are the people that get to hear it and deal with it. We're called to be world shakers, to bring people to a place of transformation, not perfection, to love people in ways they've never been loved, to believe in people ways they've never been believed in, to encourage people, not judge people, to be a light shining in their darkness, to be a hope communicated into their hopelessness, to be a message speaking into their mess. Amen. Next week, before you leave today, those of you that are, 
that, that say, I know we need to be serving. And, and you can say, well, pastor, that's what this is all. You bet this, that's what this is all about. Because <laughs> we cannot grow a church and grow people without people who are willing to grow. There are a lot of places to go. I am committed to this place to finish my race here, but I am not going to finish this as a walking race. We've got to get into a sprint. This is no longer a marathon. It's short, and we've got to run hard, and we've got to love hard, and we've got to believe hard, and we have to stand strong. We can't just show up and have lights, camera, action, and, and go, aren't we good? It's not about how good we are. It's about how great God is. When's the last time that we stepped up and said, I'm going to do something to be a part of something? You're a part of clubs. You've got you, all this stuff going on, and that's great. Golf clubs, bowling clubs, you're doing all these things. Yacht clubs, boating clubs. Blah, 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 blah. And you make time for those things. Make time for God's house. Make time to serve people. Make time to make a difference. This thing, I mean, you have no idea what it takes every week for our leaders to call you, to connect with you, to text you, and try to put you on a schedule. Say, will you come and shake hands? We had a couple after the first 930 service that came up and said, we want that door right there. I said, that door is yours. You want me to put your name on it? I said, because I need people at that door, and I need people at that door, and I need people at the other doors, and I need people in the parking lot, and I need people on Northwest Expressway, not in the middle of the traffic. On the curb. You say, why do you need that? It's proven that unless people feel loved and wanted and touched four or five times before they get into their church, and then I want people in here going from this section, talking to people they've never met, get to know somebody, tell them we're glad you're here. It makes people feel good. Find out their name. We all like to hear our name. We do. Come on. I, I don't. No, you're not that cool. You do too. We all like it when somebody says, hey, Mark, how you doing? Yeah, cool, you remember my name. Wow, cool. I don't remember yours. Take them to Starbucks. They'll write it on the cup, and then you don't have to ask. Anyway, so it's time to step up out of ankle deep. It's not my will, but your will be done. I want to do to others what I would like for them to do to me. I want to be loved. I want to be cared for I want I want to have fellowship come hell or high water we're going to make this happen and we may make some people really mad before we make them happy but I'm not here just to make a living I'm here to make a difference and if I can't do that I don't even want this job and I'm not doing my job if I don't make you want to help me with my job do you hear the cry for help help I am too old to do this for fun. <laughs> I do this for eternity's sake. I got X amount of years left, and let me tell you, I want to blaze a trail for all the fallen and all the broken. Hey, do we have that picture? Can you access that picture I sent you last week that we couldn't use last week? Is, can you get to that? Can you? Is that, is that good? See this right here? That was painted for me in 1996. A man in the church painted this. Little did I know that I would live this and I would be that piece. Broken 
and away from the pot, away from the church, a mosaic vase. Do you have the words that, did, did I send, I don't think I sent those to you maybe, but it, it, I, I was moving again, and I was going through boxes, and that had been not even damaged in the least, and God said, little did you know, but I knew that you would be broken and shattered and that I would make a way for you to be put back together. But if you'll notice, if I'm the only piece, that is not a pot. Only with you does that work. I'm just a piece of what God wants to do. I am nothing without him, and I am nothing without you. I cannot do this without you. Nor would I want to do this without you. We are the body of Christ. Some of you little toes and pinkies need to step up. You got the mouth. I need some fingers. I need some arms. I need some legs. I need some things for this thing to work. Okay? We got greeters, people working information kiosk, people serving donuts, hospitality, children's ministry. We're getting ready to kick off youth ministry in September. All kinds of things getting ready to happen. I can't do them without you. There are so many things I've thought about, dreamed about, that I am now talking about. And maybe it was because I didn't have the oomph or the courage or whatever it is. I'm going to make some people mad because let me tell you something. If I'm not making you mad and I'm not stretching you, I'm probably not doing my job. If you're not being challenged to be something you're not, I'm not doing my job. And you can get mad at me and I pray if you go to another church, that pastor makes you mad too. Because if we're not doing that, I mean, Jesus went around irritating people. I love Jesus because all he was saying is, I love you so much that the person you are is not the person that I can make you. Let me make you into that person. I will make you fishers of men. He said, I will make you. But you have to be willing for him to make you. You have to step into the water, quit waiting for the water to rise. I can't wait for a revival. Why don't you become the revival? Okay, I'm going to shut up because I can tell. Y'all are going, okay, I get it. 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 It's like talking to a teenager. Please, Dad, shut up. And the seat back in front of you is a card. It tells you how to get involved. Very simple, 405-513-10. Put in the text the word serve, your name, your number, we'll call you. I mean, honestly, by next week, I'd like to have every door covered, saturated. People say, well, I, this one couple said, what time do we need to be here? I said, well, you know, 9.15 for the 9.30. And they said, what if we came at 9? I said, that'd even be great. I said, we pray at 9 in a circle out in the lobby. Before anybody ever gets here, we pray at 9 o'clock. So all the 9 o'clock people ought to be here. Even you could be here. You could get excited. You might actually just really have a rush. It's like, wow. So, anyway, I want, I want you to do that. Step up. Because if we're going to be who God's called us to be, we cannot be who he's called us to be without you.
you can come and hear me preach. I love to preach, and I, I love what I do. I get all that. But you know what? After everything I've went through and gone through over the last eight years, I am not willing to lay down and die or quit. And the devil would love it if all I did is say, well, I got, a, I got some wonderful people that I love and love me. Aren't we good? I'm glad you love me, and I'm glad I love you. But let's love God together enough to show the world that Mosaic Church loves God. And that we love people. We love people. Repeat this line. We love people. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're going to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us when we were unlovable and loving us every day when we are often unlovable. You still love us. God, help us to not just be Christians. Help us to be servants. Lord, may we develop in our hearts and minds an inconvenience attitude that we are willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of the gospel, for the glory of God and the kingdom of God. May we not just be ankle-deep believers, interested in the water, but also interested in the banks. Lord, take us deeper with greater passion and fervor and fervency to be people that love people no matter what. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray the same prayer I pray every week, not knowing who watched last week or weeks before, a prayer of repentance. The Bible says if we call on his name, we'll be saved. Let's all pray this together. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Give us your name. Just put it on there. We just want to pray with you. It's a big step in the right direction. 405-500-1310. Text the word SAVED. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.